0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin. Proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Let us pray. We praise you, O God, to be the Lord. The glorious company of the apostles praise you. The goodly fellowship of the prophets praise you. The noble army of martyrs praise you. The Holy Church throughout all the world does acknowledge you. We therefore pray you help your servants, whom you redeemed with your precious blood. Make them to be numbered with your saints in glory everlasting. Amen. Today is the Feast of All Saints, November 1st. Even though I'm sure later today, every store in America will be switching over to Christmas. All Saints is is the most important day of the last quarter of the Trinity season, which we're in now. And it's All Saints Day, or All Holies Day, as opposed to All Hallows' Eve or Halloween. Uh, Contrary to what you'll hear argued by atheists on the History Channel, uh, All Saints Day does not have its roots in, in Celtic paganism. Uh, but it is a Christian festival, and one of the oldest. It's celebrated already in the second century, well before the Celts did anything even remotely resembling a pagan Halloween. On this day, Christians would gather to remember those who had died in the faith, uh, oftentimes by martyrdom, in the previous year. And it's called all saints. The word saint, by the way, simply means holy. Holy. or or one who has been made holy, because every Christian has been made holy by Jesus. We're not celebrating a, a certain higher class of really good people, but the ordinary, even the bad, but everyone who has been redeemed or made holy, set apart by Jesus. For the earliest Christians, this was really important, because these were people who were living at a time much worse than 2020. There were plagues left and right, there was political unrest, and worst of all, there was absolutely no freedom of religion, especially for Christians, at least for Christians. For instance, Christians were called atheists, because Christians didn't believe in the pagan Roman gods. And so they were considered to be be against God, against the law. And so if you were a Christian, if you were found out to be a Christian, you were killed. And so Christianity was forced into hiding. And they literally had to meet in catacombs or underground burial sites because that was the only place they were safe. So one of the festivals that developed was All Saints Day. A way to not only remember those who had died or been killed in the previous year, but to hear again how their death was actually a victory in Christ. And that they are now enjoying something much greater than this earth. They're enjoying heaven. And that despite whatever those Christians had to go through now, even if they had to worship with the the bodies of the dead saints sitting next to them, That they, along with those those dead bodies, would be raised by Jesus to glory on the last day. And that's what we see in St. John's Revelation. Revelation describes magnificently the contrast between the awfulness of this present world and the glory of the one to come. John sees four angels who are holding the, the four winds and who have the power to, to, to harm the earth and the sea and the trees. In other words, these angels, these four angels are holding in their grasp the power of every destructive force on earth. War, famine, pestilence or plague, persecution. Everything that, that continually causes the death of Christians. War, famine, pestilence, and persecution. These, these very real things that we have to deal with even right now. These things foreshadow the, the end of the world. When they'll, they'll, they'll get worse, they'll reach their climax, and the end of the world will come. The world will be destroyed. All things will be destroyed. Now, if this were the whole story, the history of the world would, would be a hopeless story of despair in which everyone would would be just advised to, well, just make the best of it. It's all there is. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But God lets John see that in the midst of this great tribulation that leads eventually to to the total destruction of all things, there's a small group of people whom the Lord has determined to keep in safety And who will not be harmed in the great day of judgment. Because they are his people. For their sake, the destruction of the world is delayed. And the four angels holding the four winds will keep everything that would destroy the world on a leash. Nothing happens out of God's control. Until the very last one of God's elect saints will be effectively made God's own. They'll receive the seal of the, triune gods, of the triune God on their forehead through baptism and the gospel. John sees 144,000 sealed, which is to say a complete number. The point is not the literal number of 144,000, but, but a complete number of all God's saints Everyone that God has elected from all nations and all time. And you and I are included in this. We are elected, predestined, chosen by God to be saints. Now, some Christians get uncomfortable when the word predestination comes up. That's okay. I do too. And why is that? It's because our view is a pessimistic one. We want to have some say in whether or not we are fit for heaven. And why? Because, because we think that we ourselves are the most trustworthy. It's very rare that we'll entrust something that's really important to us to, to somebody else. Because we're naturally self-centered. We think uh, we're, we're the only ones trustworthy. We, we alone can do it. And so what this means is that even when it comes to salvation, we'd rather trust ourselves than God. But the biblical teaching of predestination is exactly the opposite. It's meant to be a source of comfort. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Not you or me. Salvation doesn't come from us. We don't get to choose God. And thank goodness, God has chosen us. He's set us apart. He's declared us to be saints. And if you're worried about the teaching of predestination and, and whether or not you are one of God's elect or saints, well, it's a pretty good sign that you are. Someone who's not a Christian wouldn't worry about it. And besides, God has the proof. Just look at what God did for you in baptism. St. Paul calls baptism a seal in which you are clothed with the white robe of righteousness of Jesus. In baptism, you receive the seal of the living God on your forehead. You are made to be one of the saints dressed in white. We've watched the the Toy Story movies recently. One of the themes of of the movies is a question of identity. You are a toy what he says constantly. But what he tends to get discouraged a lot, and, and so one of the things that he needs to do is remind himself not what he is, but who is he is. And so what does he do? He lifts up his boot, and written on the bottom is the name Andy, at least in the first couple movies. He belongs to Andy. In the same way, God marks us as his. He puts his seal on our foreheads in baptism to let us know that we are always one of his saints. In a few moments, we're going to hear the proper preface for the day as we begin the service of the sacrament. As I was preparing for today's service and I was reading through the various propers for today, the preface struck me in a way that it normally wouldn't. It's based on on Hebrews eleven. And it says, After uh, It's truly good, right, and salutary that should at all times and all places give thanks to you. It says, Who in the multitude of your saints that surround us with so great a cloud of witnesses, that we, rejoicing in their fellowship, may run with patience the race that is set before us, and together with them may receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So because we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all the saints who have gone before us, that we may run with patience the race. That's a very hard thing to do. Especially this in all years. Earlier this week, Dr. Fauci, I believe, was quoted in in saying that he believes this this, this pandemic will, will be this way for another two years. Come Wednesday morning, things really won't change that much. The world will always have war, pestilence, persecution, and death. But to run with patience the race. I don't know if all of us will be safe from war and famine, pestilence and persecution. I don't know if none of us will ever have to endure or experience a war, or, or always be able to provide food on our tables, or, or never get the plague, or, or even especially uh, never see persecution of our faith. In fact, we look back the history of God's people, the saints of old, and we see that, that most of them weren't safe from these things. But because we have the example of the saints, we know what lies ahead. The Lord who has sealed them, who had set them apart, who had made them saints, brought them through, brought them through the present tribulation to the joys and glory of heaven. And that's the point, isn't it? We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Imagine being in the catacombs in the second century. For all saints, Day, Someone over here died from war. Someone over here died from going hungry. Someone over here died from the plague. Someone over here was killed for their faith. But all these saints, who not only experience the same things we do, and we are, but who by God's grace been brought through them. St. John describes them, a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing in front of the throne and of the land, clothed with white robes and with palm branches in their hands. These are the ones who have come out of the tribulation of this world. We have them and their examples so that we may run with patience the race is set before us, and together with them, not live in this world forever, but that we may receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And we don't just have their example. You see, we get to commune with them, the fellowship of the saints. Even if there's only four of you here at the altar at a time, you are communing with the saints of all time and of all places. You are partaking of the feast that has already begun in heaven that you just can't see yet. That's what it means to believe in the holy Christian church, the communion of saints. We are the church militant. We're struggling and contending with the tribulation and persecution on earth awaiting the day that we will eventually join the church triumphant in heaven. And it's a struggle. Sometimes we feel it more than at other times. But take comfort in the great cloud of witnesses, including very likely some of your own family and friends who have gone before you, and some of our own congregation, like Gotti. Like them, you will be victorious. In Jesus' name, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and might belong to our God forever and ever. Amen.